All right. Give me your best one. Come on. From the diaphragm, nice and low. Boom. Stop talking. <laughs> Everybody and welcome to Book Retorts. I'm Danielle. I'm Sam. And this is a podcast where one of us explains a weird piece of media to the other who has no experience with it. That's me. I'm so inexperienced. You. you might as well call me Johnny Inexperienced. My name is Johnny. <laughs> I'm like convinced you write these down in the list and just like pull them out. For if I did, did no, they'd be more coherent and probably more entertaining than the nonsense I, I blab out every every episode. <laughs> I like the one where, like, once we're in the middle of it, you kind of forget what you're trying to say. <laughs> oh, you mean constantly? <laughs> Those are my favorite. <laughs> Look, it's hard, Danielle. I'm impressed that you managed to come up with one most of the time. Good job. <laughs> I think if I just keep talking long enough, eventually something will come out. <laughs> That's uh, accurate. That's <laughs> how I live my life. <laughs> All right. So what are, what are we doing today, Danielle? Okay. So today, Sam, it is my turn. It my turn. lovely turn your to privilege. show you this. My privilege, my joy in life <laughs> <laughs> to share with you this 2012 or possibly 2013, depending on what you look at, movie. <laughs> Some confusion there? <laughs> it depends. Amazon said 2013. Most things say 2012. It was like December 2012 or something. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? <laughs> I didn't look it up in that much detail. But this movie, it's called It's a Disaster. It's a Disaster. It's a Disaster. I'm sure you probably have never really heard of no, it. No, I haven't. It sounds like one of those, like, it sounds like disaster movie or like scary movie or any of those kind of like... Yeah, Particle I'm sure, sure it does. When you hear the cast in this, you're going to question why you've never heard of this movie. <laughs> Oof. I mean, there but, are a few movies we've done already that have amazing cast. Like, no, there's a reason I didn't see that. Oh, that's true. Like the dragon movie where I was like, how did I miss a whole dragon movie with that many famous yeah, people? Yeah, Rain of Fire, right? <laughs> Matt McConaughey, yeah, Christian Bale. Yeah. It's crazy. Anyway, so... <laughs> I am not actually going to share a summary with you, Sam. I'm sorry. I know that's our usual thing. Oh, does it give too much away? And yeah, I just feel like it's the less you know about the story, the better. Okay. It is a, it's labeled as a dark comedy. I'm going to argue that it's more of a uh, gray comedy. <laughs> so they basically tried <laughs> to go not, dark, but didn't really succeed. No, I actually quite like this movie. The ending is... Uh, different. I'm, you may like it. You may hate it. I'm sure people were split. I didn't look at different reviews of this. I had, I would say, relatively positive reviews. All right. And yeah, it's a it's a movie. I actually laughed out loud quite a lot in this movie. And you know how I feel about comedy, Sam. So that probably says something. Yes, Danielle is humorless. That's not true. <laughs> I just like very specific kinds of comedies that apparently either I was tired enough or this just hit the the funny things for me. Got your funny bone all tickled. It did. So I watched this pretty late the other night and uh, yeah. Well, so I hope that doesn't affect your me. recollection of it. <laughs> it does not. I took fabulous notes as always. Well, I am disappointed not having a summary, but that just makes me even more intrigued for what this is all about. Well, you already gave your guess as to what you thought maybe the movie might be. No, that was just me like riffing on the title, Danielle, which I don't think it mm -hmm. is. <laughs> 
All right, let's start this sucker. All right, we're gonna learn very quickly what it's about, anyway. Oh, please let it be about a stage performance that goes wrong. Uh, Yes, that's exactly what it is. Okay, that like like a noises off type thing. All right. So this movie opens with the 1812 Overture. Love it. Everybody's favorite overture. Written by? <laughs> the, uh, the guy who wrote the 1812 <laughs> good, overture. Good job, good job. <laughs> right. We're just going to move on there and, and let our ignorance uh, I It's not, I should know, and it's in my brain, I swear, but, you know, it's like circling, my brain's circling. Tchaikovsky? I want to say Tchaikovsky as well, but <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> Pretty sure. All okay, right. so with the 1812 Overture, probably written by Tchaikovsky. <laughs> Love his ballets. Uh, playing over a black and white photo of a very peaceful beach scene Ooh. with the credits. I could use a little relaxation, Danielle, punctuated by cannons. You could. Um, the camera zooms out and you very slowly begin to see that there is a mushroom cloud exploding out on the ocean line. Oh, okay. So we're starting with a hopefully a nuclear test and not the apocalypse. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's a very terrifying photo, actually. It's uh, very well done with the overture. I was watching it and felt just a slight sense of dread. So well done, movie. <laughs> Is this an actual photo? It's an actual photo. It's from the Bikini Atoll oh, nuclear the bikini test from test, the 40s. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's a pretty fabulous photo. I would actually recommend looking that up because it's, it's pretty amazing. Quick diversion. Mm-hmm. Did you know that there is a popular fan theory that SpongeBob SquarePants takes place at the Bikini Atolls and they're all just mutants from the nuclear tests? I did not know that, but I, I, that makes me want to watch SpongeBob SquarePants and never in my life have I wanted to watch it. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, it takes place in Bikini Bottom, right? Which is not oh, just yeah, a yeah, yeah. slightly un- off-color pun. I get it now. It's all making sense to me. Yeah. Actually, that whole world now makes sense. Yeah, right? Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you for that. I appreciate that. So the scene switches to two people in a car sitting outside of a everyday, you know, middle class house. Mm-hmm. And the overture is reaching its peak. It's, you know, famous crescendo. Yeah. And it's suddenly shut off. And inside the car are a couple. This is Tracy. She's played by Julia Stiles. Okay. And Glenn, played by David Cross. Wow. All right. I know. I told you. This is a movie with a lot of famous people in it. This is a relatively recent film, too. <laughs> yeah. It's very it's very interesting. Huh. So she objects to him stopping it at the finale. He just had turned off the yeah, radio. Yeah, you can't do that, obviously. Yeah. She says, and I've never felt something so deeply. She's like, it's just whenever a song comes on and it's building to the big chorus or whatever, and it gets cut off, that I feel unfulfilled psychologically. That's absolutely fair. 100%. I know. And she's she's really perturbed because he doesn't seem to have that sense of so he's psychological a unfulfillment at all. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I've heard the song before. She's like, but you don't want to hear it now? <laughs> No, he's wrong. 100% wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. She apologizes for overreacting. He's like, no, we can turn the radio back on. She's like, no, I'm just being weird about it. And so he finally insists on turning the radio back on and the song is over. It's public radio. They're just chatting now. <laughs> well, of course. You waited too long. It's not like the crescendo is going to last 10 minutes. <laughs> yes, exactly. So they get out of the car and it's clear that they're a newer couple. They haven't been together very long. Um, and you find out very shortly that this is their third date. Wow. So she's introduced. So she learned know, he's a monster on their third date. I know. He's She'd probably learn that sooner rather than later. (laughs) She's introducing him to her friends for the first time. And this is their weekly couples brunch that they have. Oh, so they all bring their partners. Yep. So she has a hot dish that she's bringing in a crock pot. Oh, it's a a potluck. It's a potluck brunch. Yeah. Got it. And it's apparently a vegan stew because her friend Lexi has gone vegan. So, quote unquote, everyone has to suffer. (laughs) Aww. 
<laughs> no, let's not be too mean to vegans. <laughs> it's a pretty, it's pretty funny. Uh, he's clarifying the relationships when they, as they're walking up to the door, like, okay, who belongs to who? What's, yeah, yeah. what's going on with all these people? And so to give you the rundown, because this is basically an ensemble comedy, you have Emma and Pete. They're married. They're the ones that own the house that okay. is hosting the brunch. I will not remember any of these names. I, you'll get there because I'll have to repeat them over and over. Lexi and Buck are a married couple and they are, seem to be musicians, I think. Oh, they're okay. kind of like a, a, kind of like the hippie couple. Okay. And Hetty and Shane are engaged and they're just the other couple that are at the house. Cool. Great. Glad to meet everybody. <laughs> yeah. They walk into the house. There's introductions all around. They're waiting for another couple to appear, Jenny and Gordon, who are apparently always late, which drives Tracy crazy. Well, we know people like that. And we do. And <laughs> <laughs> As people who you're are gonna, compulsively punctual, that's pretty much everyone. <laughs> you're going to appreciate this movie a little bit, Sam. Oh, good. So she... So Emma, the host, she assures everybody that they're not waiting for them to eat. They are eating at 1230, regardless of whether or not Jenny and Gordon are there. So Lexi, the vegan, she appears and she sees hugs all around. She gets pretty cozy with Glenn and she is played by actress Rachel Boston. Okay. That was not somebody I knew when I saw the name of that I knew, but I recognized her when I saw her. Okay. Apparently, I think a lot of these people were in Second City. Oh, so it's like a Second City kind of thing. I gotcha. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot of talking over each other. The movie does a really good job of kind of showing that they clearly have long-term friendships. They all, you know, this the way they interact with each other. Good and There's rapport. a lot of in-jokes and yeah. And they're clearly longtime friends. Hetty, who's played by America Ferreira, who I love and is a national treasure and is fabulous. <laughs> How do you really feel? <laughs> I would watch this movie for her and Julia Ziles because I like both of them quite a lot. Fair. Absolutely fair. So that's Hetty and Shane. Shane is played by Jeff Grace and she walks past Shane. She tells him to put away his phone and he says he can't. He's waiting on an auction to finish for a comic book. Oh, nerd. He is. So meanwhile in the kitchen, Emma, played by Aaron Hayes, is preparing the food for everyone. And Buck, played by Kevin M. Brennan, is the vegan's husband. Okay. So he comes in. They're not together, obviously. He comes in and asks if they're going to talk about it, quote unquote. You obviously don't know at this point what he's referencing. I have it in a fair. Uh, I'm not going to tell you that. Soon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you always ask those questions. I never tell you. <laughs> I don't know, Danielle. This is like how conversation works. <laughs> So she's clearly angry about something. She's like, go away. I don't want to talk about this. This is not the time. And they're interrupted by Shane saying he's having a hard, hard time getting a phone signal. So he can't check on his auction, which is getting frustrating to him. Do I think the phone signal? Doesn't he Wi-Fi? Uh, this is 2012. So maybe they didn't have it yet. <laughs> uh, she does offer him the computer in the living room. So they have hardwired internet. Okay. That's uh, yes. I forgot. It was the, the dark days of 2012. The dark days. <laughs> So Emma's husband, Pete, played by Blaze Miller, comes in and he is talk, uh, talking to Emma. Shane and Buck have both left. And so Emma's husband is like, we should just rip off the Band-Aid and not postpone the city longer. We need to tell everybody. And she's like, we are not telling people during the beginning of brunch. And she leaves the room. So who uh -oh. knows? There's a bunch of stuff going on. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So everybody sits down for brunch and they introduce Glenn officially to the group of people. Glenn is David Cross, right? Correct. Yes. Yep. Yeah, so he's the brand new, never met anybody. He's the sociopath he's who hates music. Got it. <laughs> he's apparently the sociopath who hates music. So he's a history teacher sociopath. Oh, okay. Those who are doomed to repeat music? Something like that? I don't know. Yes. So he's a history teacher. He teaches at a local Catholic school. And Hetty's excited because she's also a teacher. She teaches at a inner city school, I think. And she teaches AP Chem and Physics. I like her. I know. She's great. I just anything America for her. <laughs> Emma's a doctor. 
And Shane, it's just like established at some point that Eva's a doctor, but it becomes relevant later on. And Shane asks if he can be excused from the... Br- they literally sit down and Shane's like, can I go use the computer? I need to check on my oxygen. Dude's got a problem. <laughs> he does. And Hetty's obviously like kind of annoyed at him. So at the same time, Buck asks if he can be excused to go check this, the score of the game on the TV. And all the girls are like, no, like sit down, enjoy the brunch. You shouldn't like, we literally just sat down. Yeah, stop being a stereotype. Yeah, it totally is. He's like, come on, all the men at the table want to see the game, don't they? Like, let's go check the game out really quick. And so they finally agree to disagree and all all the guys, quote unquote, get up from the table. And Glenn asks Tracy if it's okay if he joins them or if he should stay at the table because he's clearly not into sports, but he's trying to, you know, figure out who he should bond with. Uh Uh-huh. And so she sends him off and all the girls gush and they're like, oh, it's so cute that he asked permission first. And they ask her for the details on her last boyfriend, which they apparently didn't really realize that it had ended. They thought that he was great. And she's like, oh, no, he was crazy. Just like every ex-boyfriend I've ever had. I don't know how I attract these guys, but they're all nuts. Uh, the problem might be you, buddy. <laughs> well, she's like arguing like, I can't be me. It's like, I don't know what's wrong with these people. Like, apparently, he's, she says, this is super gross, by the way. The ex-boyfriend had jars of nail clippings and hair in his bathroom. Okay, no, she's right. That's crazy. Don't like him. super crazy, yeah. And apparently he didn't think that was weird because it was, quote, just how he was raised. I don't care. (laughs) I know. Petty bless her soul. I was like, well, he didn't know it was wrong because that's how he was raised. You should have given him a second chance. That's not crazy at all. And everybody else at the table is like, yeah, he's nuts. I'm glad you broke up with them. Look. (laughs) Have you called the Justice Department? (laughs) Seriously. Get that guy some help. (laughs) Um, So in the living room, the guys are all sitting around and they can't get the TV to work. It's all snow on the screen. Ah, 2012, before TVs work. (laughs) I know. And then Shane uh, realizes that the internet's out on the computer as well. So he's kind of annoyed trying to keep, you know, keeps refreshing it, trying to get it to work. And they start talking about relationships as they're trying to fix TV. Yeah, relationships are like this TV. If only we know how to fix them. <laughs> no, it's more just like Glenn trying to make small talk with the guys. And so he's asking all of them, like, how long they've been together and all of that. And so apparently MNP have been married for eight years. And so have Lexi and Buck, who met at... Emma's and Pete's wedding, but they got married three days later, so they're that couple. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Hetty and Shane have been engaged for six years because Hetty can't set, set a date, supposedly. Well, she seems so nice and totally cool with toenail clippings. Yeah, that no, that was Tracy, the one that's with Glenn. Hetty is the I know, no, AP. Hetty's the one who's like, it's okay, you should give him a second oh, chance. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. I don't know, but apparently she has issues with marriage at this point, supposedly. All right. So Buff asks Pete if they forgot to pay the cable bill, like jokingly, like, and he's like, no, they're all bundled together. So if we forgot to pay the cable bill, then also the internet and the phone line would be down. And so he picks up the phone, the home phone, and it's down. Uh Oh, is this this turns into a like bottle slasher film? Uh, No. Okay. This is a classic, like, the phones are dead. Oh, I get no signal. <laughs> this is not going anywhere you think it's going, Sam. Probably this not. This is all set up. This is, like, not not boring set up, but it's definitely set up for what's about to happen in, like, five minutes. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay. So, he once he picks up the phone, realizes it's dead, he storms into the living room and accuses Emma of not paying the bills because she's moving out of the house. Uh-oh. Trouble in paradise? And he's like, you probably didn't pay the electric bill either because you thought it'd be funny to leave me in the dark. And she's like, I paid the bills. I pay the bills because you're too lazy to do it. So, yeah, I've paid them every month. And then suddenly the power goes out. Uh-oh. <laughs> 
So everybody's exclaiming over the power and like, why are you moving out? What's going on? What is he talking about? And Emma finally admits to everybody that's in the room that they're getting a divorce. Aww. I know, it's so sad. And Pete complains that there's some, he's like, I can't believe that you told everybody we're supposed to wait until after the brunch to tell all our, all our, fr- oh, all of our friends. Oh, excuse me, Mr. Stormy and accusing. <laughs> That's what Emma says. She's like, I wouldn't have had to tell them if you hadn't come in here and told everybody I was moving out of the house. <laughs> right. I mean, one kind of falls from the other. <laughs> Crazy. So... Uh, just a funny note on this scene is that not everybody's in the room, so people keep coming into the middle of this argument and this huge fight, and everybody's just learned about the divorce being like, do you know your power's out? Aww. <laughs> and they're getting, like, angrier and angrier, and finally Emma storms off to leave the house, and she packs up all her stuff and heads out to the door, and Pete's close on her tail, like, you gotta stay for brunch, this could be the last time that we have this as a couple's brunch, like, you can't just leave in the middle of it, all your friends want to see you. And she turns to everybody, and she's like, enjoy my quiche, and she opens the door to the outside, and promptly slams it shut, and screams. Uh-oh, what's going on, aliens? <laughs> well, everybody turns to look, and it's like, what the heck, what's going on? And outside, she explains, is a man in a hazmat suit. Oh, Danielle, I don't know if I can, I don't have the strength for a pandemic disaster movie, Danielle. (laughs) Too bad, Sam. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) It's not quite where you think it's going, but it's it's interesting. Okay. All right. All right, everyone. (laughs) Brace yourselves. So uh, the, the the person in the hazmat suit knocks on the door, and Pete opens the curtains and looks outside, and it turns out it's Hal, the neighbor. Oh, what? I know. Didn't see that coming, did you? I mean, I didn't know Hal existed, so no. <laughs> so everybody's like, do we just leave him out there? What do we do? And Glenn's like, well, why don't we invite him in and see what he wants? Uh... Like, do you, do you have any problems with Hal? Like, is he normally a normal person? Everybody's like, yeah, he just, you know, he's fine. So they let Why him is he in a hazmat suit? Ask the questions first. <laughs> so they let him into the house, and Hal seems awfully surprised to see everybody gathered there. And... It turns out that the reason he's surprised is because he's offended he wasn't invited. <laughs> because Aww. he invites them all to his lunches and barbecues, and why wouldn't they invite him to, to the brunch? It's just a couple's brunch. Well, yeah, that's what Emma says. And he's like, so, because I broke up with my girlfriend, I can't come to your couple's brunch? And Pete's like, whoa, 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 why do you have a hazmat suit on? Who cares about brunch? <laughs> that's valid. 100% valid. <laughs> And Hal's like, are you kidding me? Have you not heard what happened? And everybody's like, "What? wait, what's going on? And apparently there's been a bunch of dirty bombs that were set off downtown about 12 miles from them. Okay, that's not good. It is not good. So everybody's like super confused. And Hetty, our, our local chemistry slash physics teacher, explains that a dirty bomb is an explosive that combines radioactive material and conventional explosives. Right. So it's just meant to spread radioactive material around to cause misery as opposed to an actual thermonuclear device. Absolutely. And... Hal is like, did you not notice that all the power and the internet and the phones went out? And apparently it's taken out like half the financial district. And he heard on the national news that interrupted that there were attacks on LA and New York and Orlando. I don't like any of this. And Lexi is like, why would somebody think Orlando is on par with New York and LA? All right. That's just being mean. (laughs) It was funny though. Because I'll tell you why. Because Orlando has Disney World. And that place yes. is emblematic of all of America's ills. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> so I guess taking out Orlando was a good choice. Yeah, that's how you really stick it to capitalism. <laughs> 
So Shane asks if they said who the attackers were, if there were any ships, you know, were the attackers not of this earth? (laughs) I said aliens earlier. I think we're on the same page, him and I. (laughs) Yeah, you're definitely more of a Shane. Thanks. (laughs) Uh, Hal ignores him. He's just like not even going to bother answering that question. And he tells them they're telling them to lock up, tape up their windows, block their air vents and stay inside. Sure. You don't need to breathe. (laughs) Yeah. And so, well, right now it's radioactivity, wait, wait, wait. so... <laughs> what, why does Hal have a hazmat suit to begin with? Is that, is that ever answered? Uh, you no, know, not specifically, except that he's like, and put on your hazmat suit. And they're like, we don't have hazmat suit. Who has hazmat suits? And he's like, well, I do. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Touche. <laughs> and they ask him if they're supposed to stay inside why he's like at their house, because it clearly wasn't to tell them about what was going on. And he's like, well, I need D batteries for my emergency flashlight. And they're like, nobody carries D batteries. Yeah, it's not seriously. a thing that somebody has in their house. Welcome to 2013, Hal. <laughs> 2012, maybe. I don't know. And he gets really mad at them, and he's like, enjoy your couple's brunch, and he leaves. <laughs> All right. I like Hal. <laughs> he's great. I think I read it was a cameo by the director, I believe. Oh, okay. That's fun. So everybody, of course, starts freaking out, except for Lexi, who kind of thinks that they're like, that Hal's just pulling something on them. Doesn't quite believe that there has been a yeah. mass attack at various points around the country. Exactly. And so they decide, uh, I think it's Glenn that has the idea to to find a radio. He's like, we if, if we can find a radio, we can see if that's true. Like, we can yep. verify it. Get some news. Yep. And so they go and it's like, who has a radio in 2012? So they're wandering around. I do. Is, <laughs> yeah, but most people don't see them. Do you have a radio, Danielle? Uh... No, I don't think I have one. To be fair, most smartphones these days do have radios built in. They They do. Don't turn them on. Anyway, that's irrelevant. I got a question because I thought of this as well when I was um, watching the movie. Would it work if your cell reception is not there? If it's an FM radio, then yes. Like you have to plug in headphones for an antenna, but yeah. Mm, Interesting. I just think that most smartphones don't enable the FM radios on their chips. Yeah, I don't think they pull out a smartphone or any kind of well, phone they don't have a at any time. 2012. 2012, right. They don't pull out any kind of phone at any time. All right. Like a cell, cell phone other than what Shane's carrying around. It's the only time you see a phone, I think. Fair enough. Anyway, so they go in search of a radio somewhere in the house. You know, they're searching like the basement, the attic, that kind of stuff. And Hetty promptly goes into shock, becoming basically non-communicative. She sits down on the stairs. Yeah. So Emma and Buck go in search of the radio in the basement. And Buck asks Emma, Buck is... Lexi's husband, the vegan, the vegan's husband. <laughs> Good, thank you. You're welcome. She, he asks Emma why she didn't tell him about the divorce and if she knew about it prior to. And he doesn't finish the sentence. Them hooking up, um, yes. And she's like, "Yeah, of course I knew about that before we did the thing that I'm not talking about." <laughs> We got it. So Glenn is in the garage searching with Lexi, and he realizes that the car would have a radio. The car's parked in the oh, garage. Oh, that's a good idea. That's actually a good idea. It is a great idea. But once inside, he realizes that it only has satellite radio, and that Pete and Emma haven't paid the subscription. Of course. <laughs> Curses. Curse these modern inconveniences. <laughs> then there is a scene. This is like one of our things that always happens in our movies, Sam. So Shane comes in and is like, hey to Pete. He's like, do you have any weapons in the house? Like guns, swords, anything? Like stuff's going to start going down. Societal rules are going to be broken. Like, do you have any weapons? Uh Uh-huh. 
And Pete's like, uh, I have some some throwing stars that somebody gave me once. Okay. <laughs> so he like pulls them out of his sock drawer and he hands them over and they, you know, he pulls one out and looks at him. He's like, yeah, these will work. And he sticks them in his pocket and walks off and you never see the throwing stars ever again. Oh, <laughs> uh, why do movies keep doing that to us, Danielle? <laughs> I don't know, but I thought you'd appreciate that. I did. <laughs> And it's really disappointing because if there's one thing I want coming back later, it's Chekhov's throwing stars. Yeah, you. I really was hoping that they were going to come back in some way, but uh, this movie does not end how you think it's going to end. Bummer. <laughs> so they find some duct tape and start sealing the windows and vents, and then Lexi finds a radio in the shower. Okay, shower radio. Yes. She tells everybody, she's like, oh, I remembered it from singing Louie Louie once in the shower here. And Emma looks at her and is like, wait, why were you singing in my shower? Like, why were you here? And there's like this dead silence. And then she turns to look at her husband and she realizes that Lexi and Pete have slept together. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Duh. So they kind of get into an argument about it, but it's stopped by Glenn who turns the radio on so they can listen to the emergency broadcast message. And sure enough, like there's obviously an emergency going on. They're telling everybody to stay inside. Um, They give a bunch of, you know, broadcast numbers, all that stuff. And everybody's kind of shocked. Doesn't sound great. It does not. So Shane thinks that they should go forage and find a safe place outside of the house before it's too late. Like, try and get as far away as possible. And everybody else is convinced that they should hunker down. Well, the question is, do they have supplies to hunker down with? Um, they have a pretty full pantry. I mean, they could, like, like supposedly it's radioactivity. They're supposed to stay in their house for the next, like, four days or something like that. Mm-hmm. And Shane's just being, like, worst case scenario. Like, we should get out of here and go on the road, you know, see how far we can get and survive while we're doing something. And everybody else is like, what's the big deal with Let's just hunker down here for four days and eat food. We'll be fine. Yeah. Well, hard to say. Probably cobalt 60 out there. Pretty dangerous stuff. (laughs) So Hetty interrupts this argument, finally speaking for the first time. And she's like, yells up from the stairs. She's like, can I go get a drink? Yeah, that's actually reasonable. (laughs) I think so. So Emma leaves the the room upset and she goes into the garage and she sits in the car locking herself in there and Pete comes out to try and talk to her, you know, trying to get like, let me into the car. Let's talk this out. And he's like, we had the affair after we agreed to the divorce. So like, we're not technically even together right now. So I'm not splitting hairs, but I kind (laughs) of get it it too. (laughs) So everybody else is in the living room and you can hear like the helicopters going overhead. Oh, I know what that's like. (laughs) As Shane decides that he can't stand it anymore, he's like, I am not just going to sit here and like for four days or more or whatever's going on and not understand what's going on, I'm going to leave. And they, he like runs to the door and starts scraping off the all the stuff that they've put up to block it. And everybody jumps on him and pulls him away from the sealed door. And Tracy basically like strong arms him and she's like, curiosity killed the cat. But in this case, the cat will die a slow and painful death from radiation poisoning. Fun fact. <laughs> That saying is not what you think it is. It is not, because satisfaction brought it back. Yeah, satisfaction brought it back, so you should let him go. Uh, yeah, maybe, but before they can continue uh, that argument... Radiation, of course, yes. <laughs> there's a knock on the door. Santa? Uh, no, it's Gordon and Jenny, the late couple. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I completely forgot about that, I'll be honest. I know. This is the best part of the movie, Sam, and I laughed so hard at this. <laughs> So Tracy opens the curtains and she sees them on the porch and they do not look good. They're like super pallid. Gordon has a bloody nose. Like they're clearly very exposed. Yeah. And they're like, can we come in? 
And Tracy's like, yeah, no, we know we've already sealed the door. I can't, can't unseal it now. <laughs> she's like, and they're like, just let us in. We're not doing well. And she's like, nope, you can't come in. You're going to infect us all. I'm not making this up. I'm a doctor. Like, I can't let you in the house. <laughs> I mean, she's right and she's wrong. I mean, they're not going to infect them because it's not a disease. But if they like got them into a shower real quick, maybe, but it's not great. It's not a good idea. And Jenny is very like desperate. She's like, we're not going to make it out here. Gordon isn't doing well. And Tracy says, maybe you should learn to show up to things on time. <laughs> oh, that's cold-blooded. It's so funny. Also, oh, if it's that bad, like just outside, that this couple has been outside for however long is, is already dying, it's probably not great inside either. Like houses are not hermetic. We'll get there. We'll get there in a second. So they get into this huge argument about being on time, and then Gordon like passes out behind them. Jenny's like, open the door! And Tracy shuts the curtains and walks away. And everybody's just looking at her, and they're like, that was cold. That and is so like, cold. <laughs> she's like, well, they should have been on time. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I don't say you should let them in because of, you know, contamination, but also, like, don't try to blame it on their tardiness. <sighs> well, they do. <laughs> so, <laughs> great. everybody's like, why is the radiation affecting them so quickly? Like, shouldn't it take longer than, I mean, they were just like an hour late. Why are they so affected by it? And Hetty, drink in hand, says, oh, it's not radiation. The emergency broadcast had VX listed in their number line that they were repeating over and over, and it's VX nerve gas, oh. the most toxic chemical weapon ever synthesized. Isn't that what they used in The Rock? <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> that's literally what one of the characters says. Hey. I mean, Shane, he's like, didn't that they used in The Rock? <laughs> hey, I am the I am Shane. What can I say? <laughs> oh man, that's funny. <laughs> like literally the line. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, serious stuff. <laughs> That's not good. I mean, how is this comedy if it's all about like a, a mass death? This is not. I, uh, I, I'm sorry because this is a very downer of a movie, but it is a really funny movie. <laughs> That's so weird. I said it was a dark comedy. <laughs> That's true. You did. <laughs> Then you said, look, not that dark. It's a little gray. Well, it is a little gray because of the way that they're hand handling it in the moment. Like, everybody is very self-obsessed. Like, all their normal life issues are still playing out, even yep. though they're, like, good moments from dying. Hey, that's a joke. Like, I get it. Yeah, everybody's reacting in different ways. They're, like, ignoring stuff that shouldn't be ignored. Like, that's – and it's just – it's very witty and I think fairly well written. And, the, and all of them are great comedy timing actors like they just nail their lines and delivery. I mean, that's really impressive to have something that's like this dark and this like oh it's a you know mass casualty chemical weapons attack ha 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 ha, ha. it's funny like it, 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 it can mean, pull it impressive. off that's really impressive like, I'm, yeah like really I'm, you've you've intrigued me yeah like like i said it like with the late couple like you don't see that you've totally forgot there was a couple I that did. was late really you see them yeah they show up and then they like die on the porch and Every, you're like, you're laughing, even though it's terrible that they died on the porch yeah. because she's like, well, they should have been late. And you're like, yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> that's very impressed. I'm just really impressed because I know it's, it's hard to impressive. capture in a description what the atmosphere and like the tone of the movie is. So it's, yeah, hard, it's all very hard to imagine. dry humor, I think. Okay. Well, again, color me intrigued. Yeah. So it's, this is a very weird movie for many different reasons, but one of them is just because the the stuff that's going on is doesn't necessarily match the tone of the rest of the right, movie. Right, right, of course. That sort of clash of ideas. Yep. 
So they ask Hetty, they're like, what? Like, that doesn't sound good. What does that mean? And she's like, oh, yeah, it means we're all going to be dead in like three hours. There's no way this house is going to hold up. Yeah, of course. So. Should have had a hazmat suit like Hal. <laughs> yeah, they'd be alive still. So there's an outside shot immediately after that with Jenny and Gordon dead on the porch steps with jets flying overhead. It's just like the still shot. <laughs> they're like oh, tableau. <laughs> it's pretty funny. <laughs> it's not funny. It's really depressing, but it's like somehow just the editing makes it very funny. <laughs> wow. So Pete and Emma are still talking out in the garage. So they don't know what's going on and they're, they're there. And she's clearly just about to tell them that she also slept with Buck. Like he slept with his Buck's wife, Lexi. But they're interrupted right before she can say anything by Tracy, who has a bottle of scotch in her hand. And she's like, hey, do you guys mind if I finish off this scotch? And they're like, uh, no, you you go ahead. More important to deal with, like our impending death and this affair. Well, yeah, she says, also, you know, just FYI, Hattie's pretty sure it's not radiation, but a chemical weapon, and we're all going to be dead in a few hours. So have fun. <laughs> I like her. She's a real uh, real chipper one. <laughs> so meanwhile, Shane's downstairs trying to figure out who would want to kill them. Like he's like, what? Like who would be like who is doing all of this? Are you kidding me? No. And Hetty doesn't understand why it matters. She's basically like eating her weight in desserts and she's like who cares? <laughs> also, uh, the list of enemies for America is pretty long, somewhat justifiably. <laughs> oh, sure. He goes, like, he's like the Iranians, North Koreans. Like, he's just listing people yeah, yeah. who potentially, like, like who could be the, the culprit of this. And as they're having this little bit of ar an argument, they're interrupted by the home phone ringing. And uh, oh. so apparently, for some reason, the home phone services pack up. And it turns out that it's a telemarketer from Liberty Financial. <laughs> Not the time, my dude. <laughs> and uh, the guy's in Manila. Okay. And Shane's like, oh my gosh, like, I, like, what? Do you know what's going on right now? Why are you calling? Like, what's happening? Well, I mean, what better time to up your health insurance or your life insurance <laughs> than when you're in the middle of a, a terrorist attack? Yeah. And the guy is like, I, what? what? What do you mean what's going on? And he's like, turn on the TV. Do you have a TV there? Like, turn on the TV. Tell me what's happening. I need to know what's going on out there. Like, we have no access. We need to know. And so the guy's like, hey, Mike, turn on the TV. You know, they also speak in foreign language and then you, you hear the TV come on. He's like, oh my God, like the Golden Gate Bridge or, or maybe it's the Bay Bridge. I can never keep those two straight. I can't believe it. He's like, what? What's going on with the bridge? Tell me what's, who cares what bridge it is? Tell me what, tell me what's going on. And the phone cuts off. <laughs> and Hetty goes, telemarketers call at the worst time. <laughs> she's pretty blase. I like her. She's drunk too, probably. But that's <laughs> She's funny. also drunk. Yeah. So then after that, Hetty walks away. She goes into the bathroom and she takes out all the pills that are in the cabinet. I mean, yeah, sure. <laughs> takes him into the kitchen. And meanwhile, Tracy is sitting on the floor listening to Moonlight Sonata on the radio, and she's drinking some scotch, and Glenn joins her. And they have a little moment. She's lamenting about all the things that she didn't get to do, traveling, ballet, falling in love, and Ouch. he's basically, I know, he's basically like, these things are super overrated. You've done so much good. You're a doctor. You've saved people's lives. You've made them better. Like, you've done a lot of, of great things in your life. And she's like, yeah, I guess. And he's like, I'm gonna go get some wine. Let's sit here. We'll chat. Well, you know, we'll bond. It'll be great. We'll spend our last few hours together. Oh, he's still trying to get some. <laughs> Apparently. Just be a good person. I don't know. <laughs> so, I mean, what a better time to get some than the last three hours you have. I'm not arguing <laughs> against it. Like, what else you got to do? I don't think you'd have to try very hard. Hetty's on the kitchen floor. She's mixing all the pills and some milk into a pot. Making some soup. And, uh, Makes sense. 
Shane is like, are you making meth? And she's like, oh, no, that's like way too difficult. We don't have enough time. This is more like a poor man's ecstasy. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know milk could do that. (laughs) I know. I don't know what the milk has to do with it, but she seemed to know what she was doing. Harvey milk? Sorry. (laughs) He can't believe that she would be doing that when like they don't even know why or who's doing this to them. Who cares? You're about to die. She's like... (laughs) This is where I thought you would diverge from Shane because, like, what does it matter? And that's what she keeps saying. Like, I don't care. Shane, you're not representing me well. Do better. (laughs) So she basically, like, interrupts him. She starts to yell just kind of wordlessly. And she's like, you know why we've never set a date for the wedding? It's because you literally worry about everything. You can't commit to anything. And you're like this all the time. And the idea of planning anything with you makes me want to, like, claw my eyes out. And I love you, but we're about to die. And you're worried about North Koreans. (laughs) All legitimate. Totally fair. And she basically says, like, we should be enjoying our last hours on Earth. Don't you remember, like, the times that we have enjoyed each other's presence in the moment? Like, this is the time to do that. And he basically is like, this is not the time to do that. I don't understand why you're being so blase about it. And she then just says, listen, I have reexamined this relationship due to world-ending issues, and I'm done. The wedding's off. (laughs) I mean, fair. Like, I'm not saying Shane can't process things in his own way, but... She's right. <laughs> yeah. And if they're like, if he's always like this, like this does not sound like it's a one-off event. No, this sounds like it'd be miserable. I'm sorry, Shane. You're no longer yeah. like me. I, I, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. We're no longer the same person. I have written you out of my will. All that good stuff. Oh, poor Shane. I know. I know. All my tenth of dollars. <laughs> tenth of dollars. So she says the wedding's off and he's like, you can't cancel a wedding if you never set a date and enjoy your drugs. And he walks out of the kitchen. <laughs> she will. So Pete and Emma, meanwhile, having a heart-to-heart in the car, talking about what happened. She's like, I overreacted. I was trying to, like, find myself. I don't know who I am apart from you. We've been together so long. And he's like, I don't pull my own weight. They have their own little, you know, heart-to-heart situation here. Reconnect. And they decide that for the next few hours, they're back together. Okay, great. That's going to go well. (laughs) But then Pete says, what were you going to tell me earlier? You started to tell me something, and we got interrupted. Uh And that scene cuts. (laughs) Yeah, that's going to be good for them. (laughs) And the next scene is Pete rushing into the room where Buck and Lexi have decided to have some sex. (laughs) Of course. And he's like, put on some clothes before I punch you in the face. And he asks Lexi if she knew that he had cheated on her with Emma. And she pulls the covers over her head. And she's like, yeah, I knew that. And he's shocked. She's like, I gave him the go ahead. You know, it was only fair. We had slept together. They should sleep together. That way, if you guys found out about it, like either of you, it would be even. That's kind of a logic to that. I don't don't necessarily agree, but I I follow the logic. (laughs) So we're just trying to do you guys a solid, like, you know, that way you're even and it doesn't ruin your relationship. (laughs) I I appreciate that. Thanks for looking out for us. And so Pete doesn't take it that way, and he jumps on the bed and tries to beat up Buck. <laughs> and then Hetty immediately shows up. She's found this guitar. She's high as a kite of on course. her drug cocktail. And she's like strumming the guitar. And she's like, does anybody want to do a dance party? And then she's like, oh my god, you're wrestling. And she jumps on the bed and like starts to try and like, you know, wrestle with them. Uh-huh. <laughs> and something flies off the bed and hits the window and breaks it. Uh- Oh. I know. Everybody panics and scatters. Like they, they're like, get out of the room, get out of the room. And they all like rush out of the room and slam the door and all just stand there and like stare at each other and Yeah, shock. that's going to stop it. <laughs> <laughs> and 
There's this, like, long silence, and then Hetty says, You know what? I'm going to go get Lexi's glockenspiel so we can have that dance party downstairs. <laughs> she just walks away. Glockenspiel, sure. Yeah, she's a, she's apparently a glockenspiel player. Her a glockenspielist. And, uh, yeah, her and Buck have a little, like, he plays guitar, she plays glockenspiel. Okay. And they will duet. They're well-known in certain circles. Certain circle? Danielle, <laughs> are you making this up? No, but apparently, like, they do comment, like, okay, if they start to sing, just, like, nod along and clap and pretend like it's good. <laughs> so, that was established earlier, but now it comes back. Everybody kind of hugs it out, like, near-death experience. They're all like, okay, sorry, like, let's start over. More it's fine. Like, yeah, not, not that big a deal. And downstairs, the next scene, Buck is rocking out on his guitar, playing Blister in the Sun, and they're all, like, dancing wildly in the living room. Might as well. Except for Shane, who is continuing to stare out the window dramatically. Oh, Shane, my <laughs> dude, I'm so sorry. <laughs> He's like, uh, I see a plume of smoke off in the distance. And then you see an outside shot of the house again, and this time where the two dead bodies are of the couple, there's all these, like, crows landing on them. Oh. <laughs> They're like crows are unaffected by, by like viral and radioactivity. Yeah. I have no idea if that's true or not. I don't either, but it's I don't think funny. it would be, but I don't know. Radioactivity, <laughs> definitely not true. VX gas, I don't know. So the next scene is the house of the rising sun. Everybody's, you know, late night guitar solo. Of course. <laughs> and of course brings down the crowd. And finally, finally, Shane interrupts everybody. And he's like, this is ridiculous. Like, we're just sitting here mourning the fact that we're going to be dead at hours instead of doing anything about it. And he gives this, you know, raising inspirational speech about how if they're going to make a move, it has to be now. They're not going to die in this house. What move? What move is there to make? Well, his idea is to get into the car, block the vents of the car. Obviously, it's not going to last super long, but at least they wouldn't die in the house and they might get to someplace safer than where they are. And at least they'd be doing something and not just like waiting to die in the house. Yeah, I'm sure the traffic outside is going to be great. I think the traffic's pretty dead. Well, like, I mean, just... that's even worse. I mean, just literally roads clogged with the corpses and cars of people. It's not good. Maybe, but they haven't thought that far. The next scene is just all of them stuffed into the car in the garage. <laughs> so his little speech convinced them. Uh, apparently. Wow. Good job, it's very Shane, I guess. Speech, so. <laughs> so they're like, okay, talk, keep talking to a minimum. Let's kind of serve air. And they all sit there. And then as Pete goes to try to turn on the car, it won't start. Oh, of course. He left the satellite radio on. Yeah. He's like, Glenn, when you were in the car, check on the radio. Did you turn it off? And he's like, Lexi stayed in after me and was listening to the radio. And then Emma's like, oh, yeah, we were sitting in the car listening to the radio, too. <laughs> And so, yeah, the car's dead, of Sam. <laughs> I, I, I figured that. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> so now they're all depressed and sitting back in the living room silently. And Lexi just keeps playing the same note over and over on her glockenspiel until somebody, like, hits her hands away from it. <laughs> Fair. Absolutely. And Glenn suggests that they set the table enjoy brunch like they were meant to like get to know each other let's just continue on there's nothing better that we can do right now i don't disagree with glenn yeah i didn't either so everyone agrees everyone loves brunch anyway <laughs> and glenn's like you know what? i'm gonna go get the wine you guys set the table like let's meet back up and we will have this party it's gonna be great so as everybody's chatting you tell everybody's in better spirits they're sharing stories you know they kind of have a last hurrah and tracy eventually wonders what's taking glenn so long and she heads down into the basement uh-oh uh-oh. Any any guesses on what's going to happen, Sam? <sighs> Either he finds someone down there, or he's dead, or he's, like, falling down the stairs. I don't know. This movie is so out of left field. It's hard to predict anything. <laughs> uh, and yeah, that's what I'm going to say. This is out of left field. Uh, it's fun. 
So she catches Glenn funneling rat poison and crushed up pills into the wine bottles. Oh, he's going to take a suicide pack in Jonestown. <laughs> She's like, what you doing, Glenn? <laughs> and he stops and he turns around very slowly and looks at her with his great David Cross like face. Uh, and great David like, Cross face. Yeah, great. he does. He just, he has like the best look on it. Like this guy's like crazy wild eyed look. And he's like, are you familiar with the rapture? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> She does find the crazies. Uh-oh. She's like, um, do you mean the band or the Blondie song? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I mean the prophecy in the book of Revelation. <laughs> How is rap poison part of the prophecy of rapture? Oh, it's it's wild, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know uh, much about it, I'll be honest. <laughs> he's like, it's the, obviously, as you, I'm sure you know, the basic premise of the book of Revelation is basically there is an apocalypse. And yep. the ones that are judged as uh, worthy, worthy, yeah, that's the word I'm looking for, go to heaven. And the others are uh, Left have to, to spend suffer. the next seven yeah. years till for Judgment Day, basically. Yeah, can't wait for that. Yeah, and he's like, the first side is like the apocalypse, which is clearly started. And she's like, I don't like where this is going. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and Julia Stiles has, has this great expression on her face of just like, she has this like stuck on grin on her face, like, okay, Glenn, crazy pants, like, I'm going to listen to you but i'm like i might kill you yeah yeah no no he is dangerous <laughs> and he looks at her and says do you want to sit beside me at the marriage supper of the lamb and she's like oh man and she literally just turns around and walks back up the stairs to the brunch table don't drink the wine guys <laughs> no she doesn't start with that she like bangs the chair against the table and they all look at her and she's like okay so you know how all my exes are crazy glenn is also crazy everybody and they're like no he's great like he's been so we really like uh... him what are you talking about <laughs> and she then Glenn shows up like he just walks in with his wine. He's like, I found wine, everybody. And he like brings it to the table and starts pouring glasses for everybody. And she's like, she doesn't say anything. She's like, you know how everybody here always thinks I'm making up this stuff about my ex that it's just me that it's like, I'm just oh, taking no. qualities and making them too big. But it's like, it's always true. You guys, it's always true that like these people are crazy and nobody ever believes me. And by the way, he poisoned your wine and like Buck spits it out. He'd take a swallow. Yeah, of it. course. <laughs> like spits it out and everybody's like looking at their wine glasses all freaked out and they all turn and look at Glenn and he's like oh yeah I, I did that like he has no shame whatsoever of course he's like yeah it makes sense it's rapture time everyone <laughs> He's like, I want to basically, I want to save y'all from going through Armageddon. And this is the best chance you have to go into heaven because I'm really worried about your immortal souls. And if you're left here for the next seven years, like you're not going to make it. And this is your best chance to to get into heaven. Because I'm like definitely the going. The Bible is about suicide. Suicide uh, and murder, which right. it would have been if you did not been told. Yeah, those are like mortal <laughs> sins or something. I, I mean, I'm a little fuzzy on, on all this stuff, but <laughs> I, even I got that. Oh, absolutely. It's insane. And Emma looks at Tracy and she's like, you're right. He is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the validation. <laughs> and Glenn's like, I'm right about this, everybody. Like, I teach Bible history. I know my Bible history. And Tracy's like, you didn't clarify that earlier on your online profile. Like, you said you taught history. <laughs> Of course. It's like when you put up a picture that's just your face. <laughs> and Hetty kind of looks at everybody and she goes, you know, I hate to be on Glenn's side, everybody. But <laughs> uh, not. I mean, he's crazy. I'm not arguing that. But with the whole nerve gas situation quickly approaching, you know, it might be best just to drink the wine. 
It, I mean, I don't know how rat poison stacks up to nerve gas, but it's probably not worse. Yeah, she goes on to list all of the horrible symptoms that will happen prior to them eventually dying as asphyxiation. It's okay. all a lot of terrible, terrible things. There's like 20 different things that are going to happen. I did not list them because they were terrifying, but blindness, contractions, like everything you could think of happens. Yeah, sure. Vomiting, it's awful. Et cetera. I gotcha. It's awful until you die of asphyxiation. And the best case scenario is that they pass out before they experience all the symptoms so yeah uh, given the choices and he crushed up a bunch of like sleeping pills and and muscle relaxers and pain pills so chances are they'd probably be knocked unconscious and die of rat poisoning (laughs) you know there are worse ways to go i suppose exactly so lexi and buck are like yeah let's do this drink the wine like yeah you sold me on it and hetty let's do it (laughs) wow they were easy to convince yeah, well, they have a whole conversation earlier, and it's actually kind of cute, where Lexi goes, you know what, Buck, I really like being alive. And he's like, yeah, I do too, but you know what, I bet heaven's freaking awesome. Like, <laughs> we're going to have such a good time there. <laughs> They're very confident. <laughs> They're a cute little couple, even though they share everything and have sex with other people i mean hey if they're okay with it (laughs) that's their choices yeah and then shane decides to as well like if he can't get out and go do something then he is not gonna die slowly and painfully his like impotence in terms of action taking drives him to suicide basically yeah and then pete's on the other side of that he's like but like why should we give up hope this early like it hasn't affected us yet what happens if a SWAT team comes through the door any second or something miraculous happens or you know XYZ thing happens like what like why would we do it now or possibly ever wait till you have like some symptoms yeah uh, which was my solution like well why don't you just wait till it starts and then do it yeah <laughs> I mean I'm with I don't you know. why weren't we there to help these people <laughs> I don't know I don't know why it was like right now or never and Tracy's conflicted she's like well you know I'm like I kind of want to do it because everybody else is doing it, but I, I'd like to stick around with Pete and Emma, too. <laughs> and then Pete and Emma are suddenly like, yeah, no, just kidding. Like, totally going to do it. <laughs> like, let's take the wine. Let's do this. Wow, that's harsh. <laughs> so everybody in the table decides, yep, we're going to drink this wine and, and kill ourselves. This is a comedy, right? It's a comedy. It's <laughs> an interesting comedy. <laughs> Star comedy, Sam. So they say their goodbyes, and everybody decides to drink on three. And Sam, you'd really appreciate this because I have a whole discussion on whether or not it's on three or, or after, after three. three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so one, and he's Glenn's like, it's going to be one, two, three, go, and then you drink. <laughs> I mean, you gotta clarify these things are important. <laughs> yeah, it's actually pretty funny. So they almost drink several times, and then it's like, wait, when are, when are you drinking? And then they put Glenn in charge, because why not? Yeah, why not? And so he does the countdown. But as he gets to three, Tracy interrupts. And she's like, wait, 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 wait. Are we sipping or are we chugging? Also a valid question. <laughs> totally. Hetty's like, chug it. Better safe than sorry. Like, just take it all. And so he starts to count again. And on three, everybody holds the glasses to their lips, but stops. And no one drinks. And they all look at each other. And yeah. nobody drinks. Of course not. They'll chicken out. And then everybody's like, what the heck? What are you doing? And Glenn's like, well, I thought you all would do that. So I didn't drink. And look, I was right. You all did that. So he's like, well, I was waiting for other people to do it. And you didn't do it. And I didn't do it. So they're like, okay, let's do this again. And this time the countdown starts and the sound kind of cuts out. And the camera rises above the table. And you can see that they're doing the countdown. And then they all bring the glasses to their lips. And they all pause again. The scene pauses. And they're just holding glasses to their lips again. And then you hear Lexi, like, complete exasperation. She's like, are we doing this or what? <laughs> and then the credits roll. And the 1812 Overture finale plays. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the end of the movie, huh? <laughs> that's the end. <laughs> 
the movie. It's not like a very long movie. I know, probably an hour and a half or so. That's really weird. Is it? <laughs> I warned you. Interesting. It's, that's it's inter- a good movie. It's actually quite a good movie. And on my second watch, I actually liked it more. I really appreciate that they went for it. Like, I, I, yeah. I'm glad they had the guts to stick by their ambiguous ending and like, hey, these are just people who are going through their normal, like, it's that idea that even in disasters, even in, you know, whatever situations, people are just people and they're always going to bring in their standard problems with them wherever they go. Yeah. And it's exactly how this plays out. Like, and it's true. I think that's true to life. Yeah. I honestly think if you had three hours to live, like, you're, it's hard for humans to grasp that concept oh, and they're just going to yeah. continue doing the stuff they normally do because like... What else are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. You can't change in yeah. three hours. Yeah, your brain's going to cope in all kinds of weird ways. I agree. So I did not expect it to end that abruptly, I'll be honest. No, I wasn't either. Like when I watched it, I was like, that's the end. Because I really like, you know, most movies end happily or some kind of, or maybe they all died, but I kind of expected it not to be that way. And so I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, no, that that was, I, I mean, I, I don't know if I say I like it or not because I haven't seen the movie. So as I said earlier, I think the tone of this movie is probably what carries it the most because Absolutely, the subject matter yeah. is certainly nothing to laugh at, but the tone makes it funny, which is hard to express in... in- yeah, it's really interesting. And then the second time I watched it, I, probably because I knew how it ended, it felt very much less abrupt and much more like like, yeah, that's a completely valid place to end that. Like, that's a great ending for that movie. I actually appreciated it more the second time around. Because those people are just like, you don't really need to know. Because you've learned everything you need to about the characters already. You know that they're just going to continue doing their same BS. Whether yeah. they drink and they it or almost not. like, you don't even, it's not that you're not rooting for them. Because they are likable in some ways. They're very human. There's bad stuff. There's good stuff. But like, you're kind of like, nah. I mean, they live, they live, they don't, they don't. <laughs> Right, but like you're, you're you're like less concerned about them than we're like their story is complete regardless of whether they drink or not. Like they're Absolutely. probably gonna die either way, and so it's you know you don't really matter how. Like it doesn't change who they are that they're still gonna have their same petty squabbles. Yep, and I like that you never found out what was going on like outside. Oh yeah, who was doing it or what was happening? Yeah, that, like you had no idea. Like you you could tell it was escalating. Like bad stuff was happening. There were like obviously multiple attacks going on or whatever was going on. Like bad stuff was going on but you just never well, you're never, it's like you said it's a bottle episode you yeah, just so, like you're stuck in there yeah it's all that matters and most people wouldn't know what's going on anyway which is very sort of like kind of terrifying in a way like if that happened to you 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 would probably just be like i have no idea what's happening i don't know what to do it would just be like it's not like in movies where you're the people who are in charge who are you know, making decisive actions and, and doing things yeah it was almost like watching the side characters in a movie yeah exactly <laughs> like, you're like these are the people who are just like oh there's superman where, where's he uh, uh-oh <laughs> like that's not good exactly Exactly. Oh, yeah, man. it was a really, really interesting movie, and I thoroughly enjoyed watching it. Well, I'm glad you liked it so much. It sounds very interesting. I mean, very I'm, weird. My the thing I'm most curious about, and this is just you know from your description, is how can this be so funny and so grim at the same time? Like, I'm not saying it's not happened before. There are lots of movies that do that, but it's always just sort of weird to me how that works. Like, it seems like some kind of weird alchemy or something. Yeah, it's really interesting, and I. Th- Obviously, it has to do a lot with the performance and the, oh, yeah. the scripting and editing of the of the movie that just kind of has – and the music is – a lot of it's like classical music. Sure. And it just – I don't know. It gives it almost like a surreal quality. Like, you know bad stuff's going on in the background and it's like serious bad stuff and like terrifying if but you think too hard on it. But that doesn't matter because you're not like dealing with that. You're focused on these small people and their small problems. And Absolutely. So you're way more big, invested yeah. in what's going on with them than the stuff. And you're like, okay, yeah, there's a bunch of bad stuff going on, but you don't see any of that. So it's like out of your brain. That's very human. Is, like it is with them. Yeah, yeah. Like it's very, 
it pulls you into their world while all this stuff's going on. And that's what makes it funny is because the juxtaposition is there, yeah. but it's like the, the comedy part's bigger than the bad stuff going on in the background. That's great. That sounds like what a, I, I'm very surprised I'd never heard of that movie. I mean, yeah, I'm not I would surprised recommend to watch. it didn't make like mainstream <laughs> success. It sounds like a very sort of like cult kind of film mm-hmm. just based on it's like not everyone's going to appreciate the humor of an apocalypse movie. <laughs> No, that's true. So I'm not surprised that it hasn't been a blockbuster, but I am surprised I heard of it because it sounded like something I might like. Yeah, I think you might. And at least you'd appreciate it even if you didn't like it. I think you'd appreciate some a lot of the stuff about it. Yeah, no, that's – I'm really disappointed Shane became such a drip because <laughs> – He's so funny. He and I were great until at that point. I didn't realize how much time the movie spent with Shane until I was writing my notes. And then I actually took out some of his parts because they weren't as relevant. But I was like, why do they spend so much time with Shane? Ouch, Shane. Ouch. <laughs> Do you hear the Shane? <laughs> well, he's, he's kind of like for you. I get his character. I completely understand why somebody would be like that. But at the same time, I'm kind of on Hetty's side. Like, what are we gonna do in three hours? Like, we can't go outside. <laughs> right? No, no. I mean, I, 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 the thing is, like, I would. I hate to say this. I'm, I'm not sure if I would be a Shane or not. Like, thinking of solutions, trying to problem solve, or just you know accepting the fate. Like, I'm not sure which end of the coin I would end up on. I feel like I'd start as a Shane and then be like. Oh, like, I can't do anything about this. There's nothing left. And I would turn into a heady. Like, I feel like that's my evolution. That's your arc? All right. Yeah. This one, one side of the couple to the other side of the couple. Because oh. once I accept, like, once the car, we couldn't get out in the car or whatever, I would be like, well, time to party. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I gotta ask our listeners out there, do you think you're more of a Shane or more of a Hetty? Or another character. Well, I mean, I think that those represent the, like, you know, grim acceptance and, you know, party as the world ends or frantically trying to find solutions that, you know, no matter how slim the odds are. Yep. So, if you want to share what you think you are with us, you can find us at bookretorts.com. Or you can tweet, Facebook, or Instagram us at bookretorts. And if you like us a lot and want even more of us, we do have bonus content on our Patreon at patreon.com slash bookretorts. Bookretorts. And until then, please uh, don't go outside. Avoid the VX gas. <laughs> <laughs> Which hopefully is not coming. That'd be yeah. terrible. But don't, don't let your friends in. Let them down on the porch. If they're late, that's fine. <laughs> Let's be realistic. That's how we'd all be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying they were wrong. It's not right. I'm not saying they're wrong. Best scene in the movie, Sam. I'm not even joking. It is so funny. <laughs> I maybe watch the movie just for that scene. It's a really good scene. And I, as a person like you and like me who are on time for everything, I feel like we, yeah, I feel like we are 100% uh, Tracy in that situation. Yeah. <laughs> like, sorry, you were late. You can't come in. Oh, all right. <laughs> Well, until then, stay safe, I guess. (laughs) Don't be late. (laughs) Bye. Take care, everybody. Did you know that oh, there's an airplane flying over me? You bet you knew that. I didn't know that. It's a 50-50 chance I could just say that at any time and it would be true. Apparently. Freaking summer. <laughs>
airplanes don't go flying in the winter. They're summer planes. I think they're tourist-like things. They only come in the summer and then they they're migratory leave for the winter. <laughs> <laughs> migratory planes, Danielle. <laughs> anyway, 